Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Six in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stopper and Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now, which is brought to you by Digitex. They wish you and yours all the best during these uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Momentarily, we'll go to our River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, hook up with David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. But not before I tell you, Japanese Village open a survey at any one of their five Edmonton and area locations with Alberta's steak and tasty seafood cooked right at your table. Reservations uh, now available. Go on online at jvedmonton.ca. All right, uh, reminder, you can text us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. Ashley Fine Floors, providing winning results for over 35 years. To the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline from the Cult of Hockey, David Staples. David, how are you? Hey, I'm good, Bob. How are you? Good. I'm going to throw a curveball at you right from the get-go. Go ahead. So, uh, Brian Lawton's been on the last uh, two weeks. He's talked about the fact that it's his feeling that two of the Oilers' top four defensemen could be gone. Uh, who do you see as the most likely scenarios to be traded? He has been talking about this, and I didn't hear him today, but I heard his previous two uh, uh, talks about this. And he brought up a name uh, both times, Bob, that I wasn't expecting to hear in Oscar Kleffbaum. Yeah. Um, Oscar Kleffbaum has a has a good contract, but I think um, like I think a sober and a fair evaluation of Kleffbaum would say, here's a defenseman who's paid like a, a second pairing defenseman, and is actually playing white like one he's a pretty decent second pairing defenseman and um you know i but i think that he might have peak trade value right now i think that there's a lot of people including in the analytics community who think a lot of this player um the owners they'll have to get a better defenseman back in return obviously they're going to have to either trade for or sign a better player than cleft bomb but I, I could see them trading cleft bomb to fill a need uh, in goal uh, fill a need on the wing, or to, as part of a package for a better defenseman. You know, ideally we could we could replicate kind of the uh, the Chris Pronger deal where Eric Brewer went the other way and we got Pronger back. It's unlikely we'd do that, Bob. But uh, bombs his name's coming up. I have a lot of put a lot of weight in what Brian Lawton has to say. He is a real NHL insider in the truest sense, and um, I, I could see that happening. Uh, Aaron, are we assuming Larson's the other one? Yeah, Larson would be the other. I just don't see the Oilers moving Darnell Nurse. He's been identified um, as a real leader on this team. Plus, Bob, when you look at his even strength scoring, Darnell Nurse has been in the top. Uh, he, he's been a top pairing uh, even strength scorer for defensemen for the last uh, two or three years. He's unorthodox, and he had a really, really bad playoff. But uh, I, I, but he's a really good skater. He puts up the points. He's tough. 
He's part of the leadership group, and I don't see the Oilers uh, moving Darnell Nurse. Yeah, and obviously they're not moving Ethan Bear. Now, as you know, uh, David, I've got a lot of time for Caleb Jones. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting. Just a hypothetical here. If they moved out both Clefbaum and Larson, that could potentially open up the window to go signing a guy in a short-term deal like Tyson Berry, who I've always liked. I know he had a terrible year in Toronto. I know everybody out east thinks he's a... Uh, you know, completely overrated, but I've watched Tyson Berry play a ton with Colorado, and um, you know, the Oilers' power play is unlikely to be as good next year as it was this year, uh, but Tyson Berry would give that power play a different dimension as a right-shot quarterback, and it could be a perfect scenario for him on a short-term deal for a year to drive his valuation up. I'm just wondering what they would get for Clefbaum. Like, that's what I'm, you know... They need a goalie, Bob. I think they really need a goalie. And uh, well, you did a... you did your survey, and what was the response to the uh, followers on your survey? I, we've had uh, more than two thousand votes so far. So, so what, what I was expecting is when I asked fans about what what do the Oilers need, and the four choices were: third line center, a goalie to challenge Koskinen, a top four D man, or a winger to play with McDavid. And the least popular answer by far was third line uh, center. Yeah. Uh, but the, all the other ones, all the other three needs, D-man, goalie, and winger for McDavid were equal, Bob. So fans are evenly split on what the, the real need on this team is. And, I, and I, my feeling is, though, that goalie is number one on the list. And uh, to win in the playoffs, they're going to need better goaltending. Then, uh, so uh, as for Tyson Berry... What we saw in the playoffs, Clefbaum was an excellent uh, power play guy this year, distributing the puck. But what we started to see from Chicago was very interesting strategy where they were collapsing into the middle and allowing the shot from the outside from Clefbaum. And that's not Oscar's strength, getting that outside yeah. shot on net. And if, so maybe uh, maybe that's an indication that other teams are going to start to, you know, well, it only, it only small took... sample size. But maybe, maybe yeah. you know, I think Oscar did a great job. But I think what he has on the power play can be replicated by a player like Barry or Ethan Bear, for that matter. So... Uh, I'm not a. I, I like the player, and I wouldn't have thought of trading him, but I think it could happen. Well, it's interesting just with Clefbaum. I mean, he he did play the fifth most minutes in the league last year. My theory is, if you do move Larson, the guy to sign is Barry, and then you get Clefbaum off the power play because you know he he's got he's he's had some issues with his shoulder, and I just think he plays too many minutes, and he's got to get yeah. down to 22 minutes a game from 25 minutes. So take and I know, hey. Every defenseman, like Ladislav Schmid, people forget this. Ladislav Schmid comes over in the trade uh, with Lupul uh, for Chris Pronger. And by the end of his first year, when the Oilers were running out of defensemen, he expected to be on the power play. And he'd never run a power play before. And, you know, it, and it's it, and that wasn't his forte. He was a hard-nosed, great character defensive defenseman. Uh, every defenseman thinks they can run a power play. Just give me the opportunity to do it. And some people would say, just give Nurse the opportunity. But when you're talking a player like Barry, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's had, you know, 55, 58 points in that range. You're not talking about a defenseman in the high 30s or low 40s. I mean, he is a, he's an elite power play guy. That would be Again, if they did move out Larson, I would try to get Barry on it. And people say, well, it's going to cost you $6 million. Not in a flat cap world. It's going to cost you like four, four and a half. And I, I would contemplate doing that. I just, I, I would have to think you could get something pretty good for Clefbaum. It's interesting you mentioned the goaltending. That is because there was a move made today with Montreal. And uh, 
I do think Allen could be flipped at the deadline and the Canadians could recoup the third rounder, but I think that they were looking to just ease the workload a bit for a year on Carey Price because I think they felt he was getting worn down. So uh, the goaltender market's deep. All right, David, so let's uh, get to a couple quick hitters here. Patrick Russell, your thoughts on the contract? You know, Bob, when they signed him, I, I was thinking, oh, geez, uh, he scored zero goals in 45 games. So you yep. need your forwards to score. But when I looked into, you know, just dig a little bit of uh, into his numbers, and, and what we what we do at the Cult of Hockey is we watch the videotape and we track grade-A shots on net, and we count up who has the grade-A shots on net. So these are, like, harder, dangerous shots from the slot area. Patrick Russell had 20 grade-A shots, and normally those shots go in about 25% of the time. So normally in the amount of, with that kind of shooting, you'd expect him to get four to six goals this past year. And so I think we can all picture him. He took the puck hard to the net, good checker. I think he's going to play more on the PK. And if he was to play, let's say, 60 games as a fourth-line winger, he could score seven, eight, nine goals. Um, that would not be unexpected for him. And that's not bad for a fourth-line winger. So I, I think it was, a, a. in the end, I got actually more excited about the player because he also has improved every single year he's been a pro player. Started out really weak in the AHL, worked his way up to being one of the best uh, two-way wingers in the American Hockey League. So I think there's still, as he gets more comfortable in the NHL, there's a chance that this guy could become quite a useful fourth-line winger, and um, I'm, I'm really good with the signing. All right. Uh, so Jake Allen moves. The goalie market's starting to get going here. Matt Murray's going to get a huge uh, ARB uh, case. I'm not sure team – you know what? If yeah. he ends up getting $6 million, I I don't know wow. if anybody that's going to sign him, but Darcy Camper could be potentially available. That guy is, uh, I mean, you just heard, well, you didn't hear it, David, but Brian Lawton talked about the fact that Camper and Ranta have propped up the numbers in Arizona for a couple of years there. What should the Oilers do in goal? You know, the thought of trading, of the, and I heard you and uh, Mark Spector talking about this the other day, and the thought of trading the Oilers' first pick this year or next year uh, for Darcy Kemper is is got to be crossing their minds right now. If you could bring in a goalie of that caliber, you know, the, the only question is, Bob, with the market so big, with so many good goalies on the market, in part because the coming uh, Seattle expansion draft or teams can only protect one goalie, could you get... A, could you get a good goalie and give up a lot less than the first pick that you might have to give up for Darcy Kemper? Could you give up, uh, like, the third pick for Jake Allen? Jake Allen had a really good uh, save percentage this year uh, in St. Louis. Now, uh, it could be that Kemper, that these, like, these true number one goalies are so much more valuable that giving up that first pick is worth it with Darcy Kemper. But that's Ken Holland's going to have to do some hard thinking about that because the market's full and you might be able to get a good goalie uh, as a UFA or for a, a third pick or a, a second pick. Uh, David, I'm going to read you a text on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Bob, Chris Russell and Adam Larson are in their last year of their contracts. If we move two to three defenders and give Caleb Jones more ice time, uh, will that free up a spot to protect him in the Seattle Kraken draft? I got news to, for everybody out there right now. Okay? I'm thinking differently than most people. Okay? I'm going four, four, and one, and I'm protecting Caleb. That's how much I think of Caleb Jones. Oh, yeah, I, think, I agree. I, I so I'm going to operate under the assumption that uh, Clefbaum's still on the team, and you're protecting Clefbaum, Nurse, Bear, and I would protect Caleb Jones, and then I'd only protect the four forwards, and that would be McDavid, Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto. You agree with that? Definitely, Bob. And, and I think maybe we're the two most bullish kind of Euler observers about Caleb Jones that are out there. But I I think 
listen, this is this is going to be my hot take for the day, but I think at even strength, if you play Caleb Jones this coming year, he's going to be as good as Ethan Bear was last year, and he's going to give you everything that Oscar Clefbaum gives you at even strength at a lot less money. And many people will object to that, but I really see Caleb Jones having the mobility, the puck-moving ability, uh, the defensive smarts. Plus, he's not a raw rookie. He's, this, he's played three full years of pro hockey. He's got a lot of potential, and I, he, I think he's, he's uh, overripe, ready to step, step up into that role. So I would definitely be protecting Caleb Jones because I think he's going to be in your top four defense uh, sooner than later. And that's the other reason, you know, they might be thinking of moving out to one of these better defensemen on the team. Well, if they, I mean, if they move out Clefbaum, then they're going to go with Nurse, Jones, and Russell on the left side for a year, right? Yeah. That's, what the, that's what they'd end up doing. Hard I mean. to move Russell, eh? It would uh, be hard to move. I think I, it would be hard to move Chris Russell. He's got a well. It's a million and a half real dollars. There are yeah. some teams that are like. There's some teams. That, the other thing is he's got to approve of where he's now. I'd have to check to see it. Is his no movement still in place, or is that? Yeah, fifteen teams. Okay. If he picks the right fifteen teams and he doesn't want to move, I think he can avoid being moved. So I think it's really, I think it's significantly up to him. Now he may decide if he's going to be the seventh D man here that he wants to move, and, and maybe that's that's the case that he would just be the seventh D man on the Oilers next year. Yeah, well, right now, you know, depending upon what happens with Matt Benning, I mean, if, if they don't qualify Matt Benning, he's in the top six, and they put Jones over on the right side in the third pairing. This text comes in, uh, and it says, Bob, trading the first-round pick is a horrible idea in my mind, and for a goalie, I think that uh, thinking long-term, it could be a Corey Schneider for Bo Horvat situation. Keep first-round picks and keep uh, and build a long-lasting top team. Well, I love Bo Horvat, and it's funny because in his second year, I think he was like minus 28 or 29, and he went from basically being insulated in Vancouver's lineup as a fourth-line center into a second-line center role, and he got his teeth kicked in and then learned the game and kept on getting better, and now he's a great second-line center. The Oilers would not be giving up a ninth overall pick. Let's not forget, David, uh, going back to that draft in 2013, the Vancouver Canucks had dangled Schneider to the Edmonton Oilers at seven, but they wanted Marincin. They wanted the seventh overall and a second rounder. That's doing cost in your own division for Schneider. The Oilers did not do the deal like drafted Darnell Nurse. And today we'd all be saying Craig McTavish did the right thing not making the trade because Darnell Nurse is more of an asset than uh, Corey Schneider. I've got a, a, a three different types of players at 14. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going to throw them out and have them discuss with you right now. Uh, we talked about Seth Jarvis a couple times. We had him on the show last week. A lot of people think he's a quicker, faster version of Braden Point. Uh, had a better year in his draft year, has better feet at this stage. Um, so there's a forward for you. He's a right wing, plays mostly right wing. Now Point played center and Moose Jaw was not on as good a team. Uh, that said, 28-point difference between uh, uh, the Portland forward Jarvis and the next highest scoring player on the team. And then there's Anton Ludell, uh, a centerman out of Finland, represented by Jeff Jackson. Uh, West, or Seth Jarvis is represented by Jerry Johansson. And then there's Caden Gooley, who's represented by Elaine Watt, and he's a the star defenseman out of Prince Albert, who I believe would be in the top 10 if, PA, if we'd had playoffs in the, in the Western Hockey League this year. I believe lots of scouts would have seen him at that point, and we'd be talking about a top 10 pick. Of those three, who interests you the most, David? 
Well, Bob, I don't watch these players. So, you know, all I can go is on draft analytics. And what we hear about this draft is it is loaded with top and forwards. And you look at the point scoring of these guys like Seth Jarvis and some of the others um, in their their draft years, it's absolutely outstanding point scoring. So you have a draft, you can pick at 14, you have a draft loaded with forwards. Seems to me that's what you should be thinking because it's also the case, and Jonathan Willis did just a fantastic article on this a while ago, where he looked at where you can, you can get really good defensemen later in the draft, it's, but the NHL scouts are really good at identifying forwards early in the draft. They're not so good at identifying top defensemen, and they're really bad at identifying top goalies. So you put those two things together, where the best bet always in using a first-round draft pick is to use a forward, because they're the easiest to identify at that age. Plus, this is a draft loaded with forwards. You know, just the draft analytics suggest that, generally speaking, this pick should be used on a forward. And be very careful drafting a defenseman, especially one who hasn't put up a lot of points in Major Junior in his draft year. So, Caden Gooley, you know, if they're absolutely convinced he's like a top five talent out of this draft, then you take him. But if they're kind of weighing different players and thinking, oh, maybe the forward, maybe the D-man will go with the forward then. Yeah. David, how do people follow you? Uh, at D Staples on Twitter and just Google the Cult of Hockey, Bob. All right, great stuff, David. Thanks, Thanks. a lot. Thanks. Uh, you can text us at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Uh, this text from KS out of Edmonton says, "Bob, I like Jarvis. The Oilers need to get this kid if he's still on the board at 14. And again, at this time last year, Caden Gooley was supposed to be a top ten pick. There's some people that think he'll be there at 14. Anton Ludell. A lot of people think he goes eight to 13, uh, but he could be there at 14. And then Jarvis is a guy that's moved up every step of the way. And again has drawn some comparisons uh, to, uh, you know, some comparisons to uh, a guy like Brighton Point. John says, Bob, uh, the fact that uh, the fact is we can't trade our first-round pick. Look at Corey Pronman's uh, prospect list. Uh, we're ranked 26, and we don't have uh, second-round picks. Look at uh, we're taking shortcuts has gotten us from John. Well, certainly the Reinhardt trade, that I mean, you'd have a couple prospects there. Uh, you know, they've. I, I frankly, I was surprised the Oilers were ranked 26 just because of the fact that they got Bouchard, uh, Bouchard and Broberg. But John, uh, let's say this right now: Corey Pronman's entitled to his opinion. I thought the Oilers would be a little higher. Uh, they dropped quite a bit. Part of that was graduation of some of the players that used to be on that list that are now in the NHL, uh, like a Yamamoto or like a Baron. A year ago at this time, a lot of people weren't very bullish on Kyler Yamamoto. In fact, some people didn't think he was top 50 prospect in the league. And now many, oh, I'll throw this out there. I'm going to ask right now. Text us at 780-496-0063. And we'll talk about this with Brendan when we come back. Is Kyler Yamamoto a top six NHL forward? I want to know. Text us and let us know. You're listening to Oilers now. Hi, I'm Darnell Nurse from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. 
tonight, uh, 126 in Edmonton. There's an old saying in the car business, cars cost less, no Atasquin. Outstanding customer service, a key to business as well. Brent Rich Ford is a nine-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. They'll provide you with an outstanding service experience at the time of the purchase. They'll continue that standard after the sale as well. Let Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Rich Ford, they're Oilers fans there. they got a couple Flames fans. We don't we don't talk about that. Uh, you can lend a hand out at Brent Rich Ford. They'll lend a hand with you at one 877 or go online at Brent Ridge. Uh, Dot com. Mr. Escott, back at the 630 Chad Studios. Tell me, uh, is Connor Yamamoto a top six NHL forward? The way that I look at it is this. Like, I think he's sort of in a swing spot right now where if he's playing with the right guys, he's a top six forward. If he's not playing with the right guys, he himself um, can maybe not rise to the occasion alone to be more than a third line uh, right winger. But that's where his floor is for me. He's no worse than a third line right winger in the NHL. Um, Give him another year. And frankly, if you had asked me this question before the playoff run, he might have done enough convincing in that stretch alongside. Leon for me to believe that he is uh, but right now uh, he, he did look a little bit overmatched at least so far in his career I think he will eventually cement himself as a top six all right well I have him as a top six uh, he didn't get credit I don't think he got a he picked up a point uh but he was involved directly in two strips that led to goals in the uh, Chicago zone to the text, Markinson Albert says, I would say Yamamoto's a top six NHL forward because he truly shined when playing with Settle and Nugent Hopkins. I think that the play in round didn't reflect his actual skill level. Uh, Scott Short Park says, Bob Cotter, Yamamoto's proven he can play. There is a reason we call him the honey badger. The point totals show it. He'll be a top six player with the Oilers. Uh, Hockey Dude says, Bob, Yamamoto's a talent, but maybe a little early to say he's a top six right now. Another texter out of Edmonton says, if he can play like he did last year, he for sure will be a top six forward. My only concern will be his size and his ability to play all 82 games a season. This texter out of uh, BC says, Bob, I think Yamamoto is a middle six winger who has very good chemistry with Drysaddle and Nuge. So he's squarely in the top six if playing with one or both of those guys. I think if the Oilers shape their lineup differently, however, he might be a third liner. This texter comes in. You nailed it, Brendo, I believe he's referring. It's great to see you got your friends texting the show, Brendan. That's <laughs> terrific. Uh, Randy... Uh says, coming from a guy who said last year he may never even make the league because of his size, I've now changed my opinion 100%, says Randy. So Randy's saying he was completely wrong a year ago. Absolutely top six forward and complimentary role today. His tenacity and skill will not be denied and he will be stronger uh, with his body over the next couple of years. Keep it coming on the text. Brendan, you know my feeling on this. I would have had him up earlier. And Now, did I think he'd have 26 points in 27 games? No. Did I think he'd go plus 17? No. Uh, was he better than I? But I did think if he played the final 40 games of the year, he'd get 12 goals and 20 points or 25 points. Uh, he far exceeded that. The Oilers have something with that player, and they also have McDavid and Drysaddle as their top two centers. That can make some other guys better. What Edmonton has is four legitimate top six players, in my opinion. Obviously, Nugent Hopkins along with McDavid, Drysaddle, and I do have Yamamoto in the top six as well. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Back with our NHL insider, John Shannon. You're listening to Oilers Now. It's 129 in Edmonton. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.